Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Screen the Screener listeners out there, we're curious. Last podcast, we were hoping that you got in touch with your feelings and we wanted you to evaluate how you were feeling. This podcast, we want you to explore your curiosity. Mike and I over here at the Screen the Screener podcast are curious. We're curious about the results of the NBA combine that's happening this weekend in Chicago. We're curious about the metrics. We're curious about the drills. We're curious about who decided to go there. We're curious about who decided not to go there. We are going to explore the NBA combine curiosity. Mike, is anything catching your attention are you curious about anything about the NBA Combine? Oh, I'm curious, my friend. And I bet you're going to be curious. Last time it was Jingsu Monkey King. This time, <laughs> yes. who am I going to reference the Torku Kanye Spore later on in this podcast? I mean, I think you have to stay to completion, guys, right? Not Jingsu Monkey King, Torku Kanye Spore. Who, I, I mean, I, I just want to know who's on the roster. I want to know the location of 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 this faction, this team. It's located. There, a it's lot located. Of, a lot of questions I have. I'm curious already. Uh, it's located in Turkey, and it was a big move for this player because they went from the the Sioux Falls Sky Force to Torku Kanyaspor, but they're currently at Al Wasi Dubai. Uh, was there a player to be named later in any of these deals, any oh, of these but transactions? It was, but it was a first round pick, my friend, and that's why everyone's got to be got to declare right because you just got to go to the draft because you're a first round pick. It's the right move. Al Wasai Dubai. Woo. Oh, so some of the some of the stats are in from the combine. We have uh, measurables that we like to call on multiple college players from this past season: heights, weights, body fat, reach. Uh, we got some vertical jump information. We have uh, wingspan. You know, there we you go. Like- it's all about Harry Giles today, isn't it, Harry? <laughs> Well, since you went right there and we are talking about the measurements, are you aware that Harry Giles measured out as he had one of the biggest set of mitts? He had some of the biggest hands at the combine. Which were strengthened by picking up the chairs for the people on Duke during the timeouts who were actually playing. How about that? (laughs) So if we go back to the hands, uh, you know, um, we're championing Kawhi Leonard as being like one of the best like two-way players in NBA history or at least in this particular batch of NBA players and his hands were like measured like out of this world so if we're going to find some sort of comparable there aren't you a little curious that Harry Giles has one of the biggest measurements of hands at the combine among other things I'm very curious and I'm dying to see on the June 22nd draft Gus where he goes because that will be as big a mistake as people who drafted Cooper Cup in their fantasy football league, the, the, the Los Angeles Rams. Again, I can't wait to get started on this. The measurables are good. I like the measurables, but it's a soup, folks. Be your own man. Make your own decisions. Don't just stick to the metrics because his reach is really high. So, there he is. I knew he'd make an appearance. Oh, he's podcast. Yes. The reach is important. Sometimes you're going to defend a player. And, and if you want to defend a player, find us on Twitter at SDS Podcast and defend who you like. And if you want to use metrics, that's totally fine. But sometimes the metrics are wrong. And sometimes people who don't measure up with the metrics are pretty good. I wonder what Steve Nash's vertical was. Okay. He's a two-time MVP. You know, oh, he can't be that good. He's coming from Santa Clara, right? Yeah, I got to take the backup guy from Kentucky because Cal recruited him. Oh, boy. 
So another thing, and I think this goes into your soup comment and, you know, be your own man and make your own decision. I feel like sometimes as excited as like you and I and other like tra- draft nitniks and, and, and basketball vagabond fans that, you know, combine their uh, passion for NCAA hoops with uh, the N- NBA draft and the NBA playoffs. It seems like the combine, as much as we get excited about it, it seems like the combine just like blurs your vision and gives you like, I don't know, um, amnesia to the season that we just enjoyed. Like you, you just totally throw out that Monte Morris had a five to one turnover ratio. You totally throw out that Nigel Williams cost, you know, led his team to the championship game. We, we totally throw out that, uh, I don't know, let's call out uh, Wesley Anunwa, like won a game for Kansas state against Kansas this year. Like you, you throw out all of this, like, logical, useful information, and we pay more attention to wingspan. So I, I'm kind of with you on that, that it just, we, we for some reason we have like this, these blinders on for all of this information that we just stored up over the past like four to five months. Oh, is that so well said? And this is what we're trying to tell you folks. Make your own decision. Go at it. I don't, to me, my I'm going to defer, Gus, if you had a Venn diagram, if you have not been productive in college, the chance of you being productive in the pros is so minimal in my mind, I don't even want to discuss it. Now, there are players who were productive in college who are not good in the pros. Sure, understand that. I was watching 30 for 30 the other day, and, they, and uh, Reggie Miller, the winning time one, and, the, and Donnie Walsh took Reggie Miller over uh, Steve Alford. Uh, fine, good move, and I'm sure he got booed off the stage for it. But to you have to be productive. I'm done making arguments for people who are not productive in college and say, well, you know, the measurables are all there. Yeah, because so are the measurables on Kwame Brown, which, Gus, brings me to an interesting point. Would you like to play a little game with me, my friend? Yeah, okay. I would love to do this. And I think you just need to set the parameters before we sure. go ahead and dive in. Sure. I, I, okay. I looked up online at old scouting reports for the NBA draft that were wrong. I Googled that. Very long Google thing, but I found it. So I'm crediting this to the Bleacher Report article, okay? Bleacher Report article from years ago, from years ago. When was this thing written? Uh, It's by DJ Foster in 2013. So it's not that long ago, four years. All right. So Gus, I'm going to read you. Gus has no idea who these players are. And listen, there's no chance he's going to get it right. Uh, Maybe he'll get it right. I mean, he's the amazing Gus. But I want you to tell me who you think this player is. I'm going to read you actual scouting reports just to show you folks that you need to be your own man. Here we okay. go. And it's just okay. a couple, just, not many. Okay, so the these people are just anybody drafted within the past like what, 7 years? Yeah, gi- yeah, give or take. I I'll, okay. you know what I'll do is I'll even get you, I'll give you a year. How about that? How about I give you a year sure. with each one of these kids? Okay. One of these kids. That, I think that's fair. I'm going to start with 2003. So we're going to go back further, but this is someone that you know. Okay? okay. So I'm not going to ask you some guy that you don't know. These are famous people, okay? 2003. Here's a scouting report from 2003 from someone who's picked fairly high in that draft. He's the real deal. He's really one of a kind. He runs the floor. He handles the ball, shoots the NBA three-pointer, plays with his back to the basket so you can slot him in at the three, four, or five. He sounds like Larry Bird, basically. This was done by Chad Ford of ESPN. 2003, okay. Gus, very high drafted. Who do you think this was? Okay. Uh, I have an idea. Was it a Detroit draft pick? This is that is up, um, folks. This is unbelievable. We did not discuss this. Are you going to okay. say this, Darko? That is that's unreal. 
Folks, we are not lying. I <laughs> swear awesome. to God. He has no idea who this is. Oh, man. Wow. The year helped. The year helped. Disturbing start to this. The year really helped. <laughs> Thank you for the hint. Wow. That was so impressive. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little thrown off right now. We, we, we did not tell each other this. All right. Let's try another one. The okay. point is that yeah. one was not accurate. Okay. Now, next. This is 2008. This is 2008. This is a very early draft pick in 2008. Okay. He's just a majestic player that's evolving off the ground. I'll give you a hint. He's a big man. He's a big man. He's a forward. Uh. He's a forward. He's a majestic player evolving off the ground. I'll give you some more hints. That was it. He's a scorer. He's a monster, a physical specimen who often looked unstoppable. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to grab this Only one. 19 years old at the time. Was it 2008? Yep. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say who, who was it? I'm not gonna take a guess on this one. I can't pull one out. It was Michael Beasley, my friend? Beasley, it was really? Michael Beasley, yes, yes. Just, and that's wow. the point. Like again, be your own man. Couple more for you. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that was a good one. That was a good one. Two. Uh, Beasley went two in that draft, right? That's correct. That's what I'm giving right. you ones that you that that should be realistic. 2011. Okay. NBA draft. 2011 NBA draft. This is one of my favorites. Scout goes, worst case scenario, rich man's Eric Maynard. Wow. Eric Maynard, VCU reference there. Now, nice. Right. And and like it was it was a, a decent scouting report, but they labeled him as a pure point guard and that he doesn't really score. It's 2011, it- pure point guard doesn't really score they thought he was slow they thought he made good decisions but instead what we got is a pretty exciting prolific score is this is this james harden you're you're club you're you're in the right vicinity i'll give you a hint what they did not mention and did not talk about in the scouting report ever was his incredible ball handling skills was this? I'm trying to think who has phenomenal like, ball handling skills. And who's got one? It was it. It wasn't Isaiah Thomas. It who was the number really one good? pick that year. He was the number one pick that year. Yep. Give it to me, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie. Yep. And they didn't even talk about his ball handling. Really? Uh, and let's say I think we got one more. We got one more for the people here. Uh, wow. Can handle the basketball very well, like a guard. He can even lead the fast break. He has a good looking stroke from fifteen to seventeen feet. Well, and, I mean, and, and that like was a, and that was from two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Um, you may have mentioned him already. No, stop it. It's Kwame Brown. Kwame? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. He did not have a good stroke from fifteen to seventeen feet. By the way, uh, uh, of course he didn't, because what, what you have to be your own man. And the last one I'll throw to you too is. He's a good player. I just don't know if, if he can be great. You got to question his 6'4 size. I think schools lie about players all the time. And sure. without, without shoes, it would surprise me even if he's 6'3. This is by an Eastern Conference scout about a player, Gus, who came out in 2003. 2003. Is that Dwayne Wade? You got it. Well done. Very good. All right. So we got two of them there. That's not bad. That's, that's, I would have gotten none of those. Anyway, the point of this is I hope you enjoyed that, folks. You played along. Be your own person. We're going to go through some of these people. Gus going to mention some people. Sometimes we like the metrics. Sometimes we don't. But there's no universal cheat code because sometimes they're way off. So now that we have some of these metrics, we just wanted to talk about um, and say like, hey, this is kind of interesting. This caught our eye. We were curious 
of where this player would rank or show up. And I think the first guy that we were curious about, and uh, our buddy Eric Fawcett brought him up, you know, preseason as a guy to keep an eye on. And lo and behold, you know, like seven months later at the NBA uh, draft combine, people are starting to pay attention to him. And that's Nevada's Cam Oliver. He measured out at 6'7 with a 7'1 plus wingspan and gigantic hands. So if we're playing like the comp game right there, like obviously like Kawhi Leonard jumps in your head, um, uh, a kind of like a, a smaller mid-major school talent that was a little bit under the radar. His team made the tournament. They played uh, a great first round game against Iowa State. He uh, showed out and was kind of played pl- kind of played out of position as big man for that team. But you put him on the wing, he can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's very athletic. He can put it up. So I'm cur- I'm, uh, I was intrigued and curious that Cam Oliver is now getting some attention. And I think the, the way that, you know, let's go back and revisit the conversation we just had. Like, go use, like, the information that you just took in the last five months. And I hope scouts and, and, and NBA execs, execs do that. Like, he's going to get his name called in the late first round or the second round somewhere. I cannot see that not happening for Cam Oliver of Nevada. And, like, the fact that he – you know, measured out so nice. I want to see how he does in some of the drills and some of the five-on-fives as well. But I think he's a name to keep an eye on in the second round. And if you're, you know, how about another comp? How about, can't you see him going in the 30s or the 40s? And, like, that's kind of where Draymond Green went to, right? And it's funny that you pick up Draymond Green because they asked Cam Oliver before, right before the, the combine, they said, who do you <laughs> model your game after? He said Draymond Green and he said Paul Millsap. They were wow. both, those guys were both second round picks, Gus. Yeah. He's 20 years old. He says, quote, Draymond Green, Paul Millsap, just certain people who have versatility. He said this at Draft Express when he was getting interviewed. He goes, they can shoot the three, they can bang down low, they can run the floor, pass, whatever, pretty much have that type of guard mentality. I can bring that now with the game I'm developing, watching them and getting a feel for the game. I love what they do and I want to implement it on the court. Cam hmm. Oliver, totally agree with you. 16 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. Two seasons in Nevada, guy that was always on the floor, shot the three well, took 172 three-pointers at 6'8", 225. He's aggressive. He's willing to bang inside. This is the perfect one for you to select because this is the type of guy that in the second round is going to hang around. And these late first-round picks who came out too early, Harry Giles, Mm -hmm. are going to flame out. And Cam Oliver is going to be hanging around the NBA eight years from now. It's a wonderful example. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. And can't you just see him being like, and then let, you know, maybe he's not going to be a multiple time all star and be, you know, second team all NBA like Draymond Green or Kawhi Leonard. But couldn't you see him playing a role like, how about, I don't know, how about like a Trevor Ariza role? Yep. Can you see that? Like, just like kind of like a rotational guy that's in, plays an important part in your team, is going to play 20 plus minutes. It has an important role in the offense and the defense. Like I can totally see that with him. That's that's another comp, like a little lower. If we're going to go there, uh, I think I think that's kind of right on. It's it's uh, it's it's perfect. We, they got him right now. If you look at where he's going, NBA drafts latest mock has him going forty third to Houston. Draft Express has him going fifty first to Denver. ESPN has him as a second round pick, undrafted. He's got him 40th on SI's big board, 41st on NBA Draft.net, 43rd ESPN, and then 54th, like I said, 54th total by Draft Express. So we're looking at a second round, but this is the type of guy. Listen, he's going right now. 
Would I like him to stay one more year? Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, I would. But you know what? He has the type of work ethic. He's going to have to prove himself. He's coming from a small school, combine. He's there working hard. We are rooting for Cam Oliver on draft night. Totally, 100%. Uh, another thing that we were curious about, and this plays both sides of, you know, both sides of the backboard, uh, college hoops and NBA hoops. Um, how about Donovan Mitchell's decision to go ahead and stay in the draft? And then that, because that decision uh, is made, you know, for him, that also affects like any preseason rankings that you were going to do. Because if he comes back and you have partner him with Quinn Snyder and uh, uh, King is still there, so they have they would have like three pretty strong wing rotational players, and you can probably slot Louisville into any preseason top five that you're going to create if he comes back. The fact that he leaves. Now you're questioning, uh, you're, you know, you're back at the drawing board with Louisville. Like, uh, what are they going to look like? What's that team? How is that team going to score? Because they tr- struggle to score anyway. And the other thing that was a little curious, too, was that so I don't remember exactly, but I, I just want to say I, I remember him playing bigger, but he only measured out at 6'1 at the combine, which is the exact same size as Monte Morris. But I don't think Donovan Mitchell is as good a shooter or has a, as tight a handle as Monte Morris or has those point guard skills. So it's, he seems like a positionless guy in the backcourt, but obviously he's getting some good feedback if he's deciding to stay in the draft. So I was just curious on your take on Donovan Mitchell um, and, you know, how it would affect either side, like both the collegiate side with, with Louisville and their preseason ranking or success or lack thereof next season. And then his actual decision to you know remain in the draft. Donovan Mitchell's getting terrible advice. Donovan Mitchell should not be in this draft. I understand he's going to go late in the first round. He's going to get a two year guaranteed contract with an option for year three and four. He is a very streaky shooter. He had a couple fantastic games and a couple games. He disappeared. No one was really able to see him for that long because they got flamed out by Michigan in the second round of the NCAA tournament. He's a, di- he's a dime a dozen. It says 6'3", 200. Gus, we know this. Whenever they list him, they're going to be shorter than that. 6'1", yep. guy. He is not a point guard. So he's going to be a 6'1", shooting guard in the NBA. I mean, if that doesn't have Jingsu Monkey King written all over it, I don't know what does. It is a, <laughs> yes. It's a bad mistake for Don Mitchell to come out. I know you're fired up about the 29 you dropped and the 50-point win at Pittsburgh. We're all excited about that, Donovan. But how about the seven points at, at Wake Forest when the team really needed a win there, by the way? How about the eight points against Duke to close, close the season? Or how about a rousing three of 15 from the field against everyone's tough defensive team, Jacksonville State, in the first round of the tournament? Folks, Donovan Mitchell, no way. The measurables aren't there. His production in, in, in college wasn't even there. 15.6 per game for Louisville as a sophomore is very good. That could become 18 or 19 points per game as a junior for a team that makes the Elite Eight, and now Donovan Mitchell's in the top 15 next year. Bad move. Jinxu Monkey King, get it ready. Number 45's coming. <laughs> Do you think his jersey number would remain 45 with Jinxu Monkey King? I hope so. Um, in that or 6'1", be his height. 61. Yeah, it seems to me like I agree with you. I, it seems that... This is one of those misguided ones for multiple reasons, and him coming back to, uh, if nothing else, pull a Russell Russ Smith right and have success as an undersized two guard, and maybe lead your team to a Final Four or even a championship like Russ Smith did uh, during his playing days at Louisville. It seems pretty logical there. Uh, and, and let's if, go. To- and if they start, and if anyone starts tweeting us, you're going to drive me crazy. I'm gonna. Uh, we could block. I could block somebody on this. Don't don't go to screen <laughs> the screen of the three. Me and Gus to come to fantasy war. I have FTSY war and Mike. Bring it if you're upset about this. Don't give me the tired narrative. Well, you know, if anyone wants to declare, they should declare. 
Right. They should declare. Right. And they're really mature. Take a look at all the stuff that's going on around colleges, that horrific story out in Penn State. Kids are not mature in college. They make horrific decisions. They're not ready yet. Kids are getting these ideas of grandeur. Donovan Mitchell thinks he's going to be the, you know, the, the substitute shooting guard in Oklahoma City next year when Westbrook needs a rest. That's not happening, Donovan. So, folks, it's too easy, and we have nothing to talk about, quite frankly, if the opinion is going to be, you know, everybody's got a freedom of choice in this country. They want to go, they can go. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, bell jar, hit the music, and the podcast is done. So we are giving you our analysis. You tweet <laughs> me back in two years whether Donovan Mitchell is lightening up in the NBA. I say it's no. It sounds, Gus, it sounds like Gus says no, too. No, it's it's a great point. And just to you know further that point, like, again, you use the reference of, you know, balling up the towels and closing the doors and using the hallway as a slip and slide as a freshman. Uh, and that's the type of decision making that, you know, like a college a college athlete makes. So, you know, fast forward, that's a big time. Like, is it the decision to stay in the draft with, you know, questionable results? You mentioned the three of 15 in the first round of the tournament. Like, it's not like a lock, stock, and barrel decision here. Like, oh, it's an automatic. Like, there's some fishiness here. I agree with the fishiness, and I think it would have been a better choice for him to come back to school. I, I totally agree. Um, can I make, can I make a comparison for you? Let's yeah, tie this yeah. whole thing together. Sure. So, I don't know, Gus. Let's say there's a player who's seven feet tall, okay? And that player played at Ohio State, Gus, and, and they averaged, you know, I don't know, 8.8 points per game and actually shot 64% from the field as a freshman. And I'm going to compare this to Mitchell. So Mitchell had some success last year. He had 15 points per game for Louisville. And, yeah. th- and this yeah. guy was seven feet, right? And he was a, a freshman at Ohio State. And, you know, he's going to declare early. And, and he was named Big Ten All-Freshman Team. And he was Big Ten Sixth Man of the Year. And he played for one year and he declared too early. And this is my point. Kuzman? No, keep going. So this guy declares and he gets drafted in the late first round, much like Donovan Mitchell will, with the Mm -hmm. 24th overall pick in 2009. Okay, So he's selected in 2009, 24th overall pick. Gets that two-year contract, 2009, couple years, plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay, Doesn't really play much, but he's on the team, right? He's getting paid. That's what matters. No, it's not what matters. Next, he then has to go to the Tulsa 66ers for two years. Then he, sure. has to, then he has to go to, gosh, I'm Irish Italian, Panioni, Panionis, Paninionis. Okay, if I can't pronounce it, that tells you where this is headed. Then he comes back to the NBA for the Charlotte Bobcats for two years. Then he goes to the Clippers for a year. Hey, come back to Philadelphia for a half a year. You get cut from Philly in 2014. Go to the Shanghai Zhangju. Okay, that lasts for a year. Fly back to America. Hey, let's go to Sioux Falls Sky Force. Wait for it. Following year, Torku Kanyaspor in the Turkey League. And right now, he's lighting it up, folks, in Dubai for Alwasi Dubai. He was a first, he was a first team parade All American 2008. He was a McDonald's All American 2008. He came out too early and he went to the end of the first round, got some money, but left. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Byron Mullins. Okay, Byron, Byron Mullins. Mullins. Yes, Byron Mullins. And that is what Donovan Mitchell is going to have. So there's my tie in, Gus, to the opening that I said. That's it's, amazing. It's Byron Mullins, seven-footer, had some success. He has to declare. Now, has he made a lot of money? I am sure he has. But, folks, if you want to travel from Oklahoma City to Tulsa 
to wherever Panionis is, to Charlotte, to LA, to Philly, to Shanghai Zhang, to Sioux Falls Sky Force, to Torku Kanyaspor, and Al Wasi Dubai, you put a lie detector test on Byron Mullins, he's going to wish he stayed at Ohio State another year. Listen, uh, you know, just to play devil's advocate, travel is very broadening. Yes, and I, I, I agree that I'm not a huge travel guy. I get nervous on the planes, you probably tell that. I just don't think that Byron Mullins had that particular travel schematic in his mind no. when he declared. And so nope. if Donovan Mitchell is looking to do that and, and just enjoys going from Shanghai to Sioux Falls to Torku to Alwasi Dubai, then by all means, Donovan, declare, baby. But if you maybe want to have a little stability and maybe stay in the NBA longer, maybe you should wait. You know, that that's not that's not something that you can pull up on your triple A uh, trip tick, right? That you can't like flip to the next page and that's going to show up, you know, back in the day before we had like maps on our phones. Uh, so the next guy that we're going uh, to uh, discuss, which I know will kind of set you off again. And the reason we're bringing him up is because he has one of the biggest set of hands in the uh, in the draft combine. One of the longest wingspans at six, seven is our guy. Your favorite, Harry Giles. Now, I'm going to go ahead and set this up, and then you can go ahead and go a little bananas on it. But you have stated your case with Harry Giles. And I think that Sam Vecini kind of set us straight on why he decided to go pro. Uh, he, He cannot risk getting another injury and then not having any draft status at all for being in a hospital bed or on the chair, like you said, lifting the chairs, not lifting the chairs for the players, but like going ahead and sitting in one of those chairs. So again, but pre-injuries, he was compared to like a a Chris Webber type player, a player that could bring up the ball, that could rebound it, that can shoot it, that can pass it, that was just multi-skilled in multiple places and, and, and had every trick in the book. However, the injuries have just soured everybody's taste on him. So, Mike, even with his, you know, plus measurables, if you want to call it that, are we still okay with Harry Giles staying in the draft and not coming back to Duke for another season? Panionios is actually in Greece, okay? And that's where Harry Giles is going. I want to be clear, folks. I do not fault Harry Giles for going. My issue is not with Harry Giles. Sam Bassini explained it perfectly. If he he goes down in March Madness trying to win the dunk contest, he's getting Zippo. It's the Calipari argument for Dewan Wagner, if you saw that 30 for 30. I get it. My issue is going to be the team that picks Harry Giles. Folks, you can't talk about what Harry Giles did at the age of 14 at the USA basketball camp. He tore his ACL, MCL, and meniscus in his left knee at the FIBA Americans Under-16 Championship in 2013. He came back. He played. He then went into USA Basketball. But then he tore his ACL in the other knee his first year of high school. High school. Other other leg, right? Other leg. So, guys, we're going by what Harry Giles did when he was 14 years old right. is this a serious conversation he sat out the senior year he comes to duke he's there he had another more minor arthroscopic surgery in late 2016 and mm-hmm. then he goes to duke and when he gets to duke 
He gives you two games of double digits. Uh, Wednesday, January 4th at home against Georgia Tech, 10 points, 12 rebounds. And then home against Boston College, 12 points, 5 rebounds. And Gus, I remember the articles came fast and furious. Harry Giles making Here comes Harry Giles. Here comes Harry Giles making a huge impact on the game. Folks, he didn't hit double digits from that point on. And oh, by the way, Gus, against Troy in the NCAA tournament, how many did Harry Giles have? I bet he had two. Zip and Pip, and Pip left town. That's Ooh. Zip. And of course, against South Carolina in a game where they were in foul trouble and Kennard fouled out, he had zero. You can't tell me that these intelligent people that run NBA franchises where they are going to say, hey, let's give Harry Giles a couple million dollars based on that profile. What are we doing? It is not with Harry Giles, Gus. I will be tweeting the night of that draft, and whoever takes Harry Giles, I'm going to unload. You ha- you're telling me you're going to take him over some of these other players that are in the draft that are obviously more accomplished? Oh, dear Lord. Or, or just healthier. And last thing on Harry Giles. Or, or breathing. Or, <laughs> breathing. <laughs> Standing. <laughs> right. The last thing on Harry Giles, and then we'll move on to a couple of other players that you know would – we would champion if, if if teams took them and and so on and so on. Is that ghost of um, Ray Smith from Arizona has to be so haunting for him because he had the exact same situation that Harry Giles had, where it was just one too many knee injuries, and he had so much problem with it. He did not even try to recover from the most recent one that he had at the beginning of the season this year. He just officially retired from basketball. So I think that that specter of which was in his, you know, the same season that he was competing his only season of NCAA basketball in, that has to be part of his decision making too and hanging over his head and influencing him in some fashion. Uh, If it doesn't, I think he, I think would be silly to think otherwise. Um, If you go, if you go to draft express right now, Gus, they have Harry Giles at 27. They'll have him listed as a center going to the Brooklyn Nets. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? By the wow. Way? Now, uh, I'm going to wow. read the players that are comparable in size to Harry Giles that are listed after him. And I don't even like half these players, but how you're taking Harry Giles over these guys, I have no idea. Ready? All right. So yeah, go ahead. I'm going to hit on two of them. I think I know who two of them are. Go ahead. Bam Adebayo. Bingo. Okay. Who's after him? Uh, DJ Wilson, more of a power forward, but he's, he's around the same height. Swanigan, 6'9". I get it, but he's power forward center material. Thomas Bryant, who's 6'10", who, again, I don't think should go. But why, so, would you, why would you take Harry Giles over Thomas Bryant? Thomas Bryant measured out as one of the longest reaches wingspans, 6'7". Right. And he hasn't had three surgeries. Okay. How about here's another one, Gus, for you. Here's one of your guys. How about Tony Bradley? Tony he's, Bradley also measured out unbelievable. He's 6'10". Six, he yeah, yeah, he and he measured unbelievably long. I think his reach was seven, uh, you know, seven four, seven five. And then how about we throw in uh, Ike Anabogu from UCLA? No, you like, t- I'm sure he's in the same area too. Why wouldn't you take him? The guy you're going to talk about in a minute, uh, Jonathan Genet from from uh, from France. You can talk about him. Uh, a couple more left. I-, I could argue Motley at six nine because he's long. Uh, I could argue going down to the bottom here. We're hanging towards the end. Uh, there's uh, Jonathan Bolden, who's another foreign guy, who's at six ten. Why would you not take him? He's a little more seasoned, and co- yeah, a uh, couple more international guys. How about how about, um, how about Thomas Welch? Uh, yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Well, that's my point. Like, 
Why would you take Harry Giles over these guys? If you need the position, that's fine. And we didn't even get to the other positions, guys. I can rattle off a ton of guys. I mean, Sindarius Stornwell was throwing up bench presses on Twitter today, like they're going out of style. But I guess you may want, if you want a center, they list him at, his wingspan is 6'10", list him at 6'5". But I, why, I would rather take a chance on Cam Oliver. That's just me. Oh, without question. I think that comes full circle perfectly. And um, just so you're ready, we're just getting you ready for like, you know, I can't believe we've never done this, right? Uh, how many drafts have you and I watched together, like in our lives? What, like over twelve, right? Oh, the Weber one was the best. Weber yeah, got tra- right. Oh, so you know, Mike, Mike, and I, and a bunch of our other friends as well. Uh, uh, traditionally, we get together and watch a draft, and and you know, you know, marry our two favorite sports, uh, college basketball and pro. Um, and <laughs> you know, they have like the the draft bingo card of like the thing, the catchphrases that some of the uh, analysis guys might say. Like you know, they also always go to um, you know, Billis's like wingspan thing. Um, so the guy that measured out with the largest wingspan was was Jonathan Janay from France. He's seven two. He's a big long string bean. His wingspan is almost seven seven. Wow, that's insane. That like, is that's insane. Crazy. Um, so he's gonna get a look. Uh, he's gonna he's. You know, if he shows any skill in these five on fives and in the shooting drills, somebody's going to take a flyer on him for sure, especially with Porzingis' success and the other foreigners' success. I mean, I know they're very hit or miss, but because there's been big hits, like somebody's going to take a flyer on him too. So he's the guy that you want to get ready for your uh, NBA draft bingo card for sure. Um, and his team that he played for is very, uh, you know, it's Nancy Basketball. That's the name of his team. Which means, yeah, exactly, Gus. Which means he's seasoned. The, you yeah. know, Dirk Nowitzki changed everything when he came over. So these foreign guys who are coming over are seasoned. Which is why, if you're a tweener or a guy without a position or a guy who's had three knee surgeries, you probably should try to maximize yourself as much as possible. I understand with Giles, I do. But if you're a tweener guy, you're going up against these international guys in the second round. They can always go back and play for their country. You want to go over to, to France? Okay. If you want to, then fine. That's a great life. But I don't think most of these kids want to do that. Agreed. Uh, it, it, yeah, I think they would have to either have their mind set on it, uh, like Porzingis did, or have it be uh, a lifelong goal that sure. they want exactly. to play in the NBA. Exactly. Yeah, yes. It makes perfect sense. Uh, and then the last thing I think that we're curious about, which we'll dive a little deeper into now, but we just wanted to bring it up as a topic and maybe you know have you guys think about it a little bit, and Mike and I have been thinking about it a tiny bit as well, um, is we're curious, and again, we'll dive into this a little bit deeper later, we're curious about Bill Self and Kansas' strategy to go ahead and hit the transfer market. If you're paying attention, Bill Self never, never has taken uh, a transfer into the Kansas program, maybe a couple like Tariq Black and a few others here and there. But traditionally, he has just recruited, brought his good freshmen in, and then developed them. And then either they left early or stayed a, a five, a four years like Frank Mason. This year is a different story. This upcoming season, he's going to have Malik Newman, formerly of Mississippi State and played for Ben Hallen. Ben Hallen, of course, from UCLA, who went to those multiple Final Fours. Uh, he had an up-and-down freshman year at Mississippi State and declared for the draft. Didn't get good information and then decided to transfer. Where does he end up transferring to? The Kansas Jayhawks. In addition to that, Self has also brought in the Lawson brothers, formerly of Mem- Memphis, 
DJ Lawson is a stat monster. He put up almost 20 points and 10 boards, almost average a double-double. And his brother was the um, conference freshman of the year this past year. In addition to that, he's also brought in an underrated freshman point guard from Cal that played this year but was a little bit unheralded due to all of the attention that Ball and Fox and uh, Fultz were getting as point guards. So this year he has Newman coming in, but then in another season he's got both Lawson's and the California point guard coming in with multiple years of eligibility left. So yeah, you know what we're going to be talking about? Title number 14, title number 15, and maybe even title number 16, thanks to the transfer market. So Mike, I'm just curious, your opinion on Self and him hitting the transfer market? I think Self is starting to feel the pressure of not producing in the NCAA tournament. And this is why everything in life, one of my favorite phrases is a baseline comparison. What's good? How do you know you know you're dating a girl? How do you oh she's really pretty. Based on what? Based on your experience of what pretty is. Hey, this car is a great value. Based on what? Based on what is valuable to you. When you're the head coach of Kansas, Gus, you cannot continue to get eliminated in the NC tournament like this. He won mm-hmm. one title, he wiped his brow, and that was because they couldn't find uh, you know, they saw the the the, uh, the show the other day, they couldn't foul. Derrick Rose couldn't foul Mario Chalmers uh, before he got a chance to get the ball up the floor. Whoever was bringing it up the floor. I mean, it was Sharon Collins. But I, that's the thing. So Self is feeling the pressure. That's what he's doing. He's going after something new. SI came out with an article about how the transfers are hurting the Cinderella's because yep. these, they're, they're trans. This is way, this is on uh, March 14th this year. Pete Thamel came out with it talking about how. Uh, America's waiting to embrace these small school wonders, but they're trying to find them and they're not there. East Tennessee State, UNC Wilmington, Vermont was trying to be the next March darling. But the problem is they're having trouble against the power conferences because the transfers are starting to move, which is making these Cinderella's have less and less of a shot. So I commend Self for trying something different. I thought he did his best coaching job this year in game coaching with some of those moves that he made with the triangle in two and the game at Kentucky. But that he's this means, Gus, he's feeling the pressure. That's what it means because why would you change? You've won 13 you know, Big 12 titles. And what's funny is you know how many coaches, Gus, would die for just one title, let alone 13 in a row? But once you win 13 in a row, like in Hoosiers, that old barbershop, right? That's not good anymore. Now they need something more. And he has to try something different because it's just not working. So he's going for the transfers. I, I give him credit for trying something new. It makes me think who influenced him more, do you think, with this like kind of change in game plan and change in blueprint? Do you think it was few at Gonzaga who's had such success with high-level transfers coming over, whether it be um, Wiltshire or Jonathan Williams or um, Nigel Williams-Goss this particular year? Or do you think it was somebody like in his own conference, Hoiberg and Iowa State, with all of those second-chance transfers that they had success with? And that do you think he just kind of like looked across the conference and was like, you know what? If it works for them or looked across the country at Gonzaga and says, if it works for them, maybe I should give it a try. I'm just curious on where the influence for this decision came. To, that's to, uh, that's the, what I think I'm more curious about. Two places. Number one, you're right on the money with Iowa State. You're looking right down. That's the only team that comes into Fog Allen. They don't really care. They don't care. And they got some guts and they have some mm-hmm. leadership. That's got to weigh in them. Number two, don't underestimate the Calipari effect. That's what I'll say because kids are coming in and they see what Calipari has done and they all have visions of getting to the pros. couple examples from that article. Maine was 8-22 last year. They lost three players to VCU, Colorado State, and Ryder. Think Good about point. that. Okay, UNC yep. Asheville 
really good small school uh, program. Lost players to Marquette, Louisville, and Arizona. And then Sacred Heart uh, lost the NEC Player of the Year, Kane Broom, to Cincinnati last year. Sure. So now and- it's almost like they're going there. And they just care about the NBA. And to them, if you go to a small school and you win, great, they'll stay. But if you don't make the big dance and they sit there and see all these guys in the big dance and they want to get into the NBA because there's only two rounds, that's why they transfer. And that's why I hate this rule about the one and done. I hate it. I I wish they could make it two and done. I really do. I know I'm archaic. I know that's why, because they, they feel the pressure. It's the clock ticking. It's Calipari. It's a whole bunch of things. Yeah, and, and just to throw two more transfers out there, we tweeted about McIntosh transferring from uh, Illinois State. And then also, if you just think about the Big East this year, where um, I think it was Pryor who transferred for Robert Morris and then became Georgetown's best player. And, you know, if you saw him in the college dunk contest, you saw how talented he was. So, again, yeah, these little schools lose these great players to these bigger programs. And then, you know, you're searching around for Cinderella, like you said, and, and your search is ongoing because those players are now at big schools due to this transfer ec- epidemic. The two that the two that Thamel mentioned is they said that the coaches and administrators point to Luke Hancock and Seth Curry as the tipping point. 2011 yeah. Hancock went from George Mason after Laranega left to Miami, mm-hmm. and, and he went to Liberty, and, right? and he went to Louisville and he won the national title and he was most outstanding player. And then yep. Seth Curry left Liberty, went to Duke, yep. averaged 17 and a half points a game, and then ended up go- going to the, he's now with the Dallas Mavericks. He's doing quite well, and they feel those are the two. That's what happened. People are not staying, but if you got rid of that one and done rule and people had to commit for two seasons, they would give it a chance and it would be a little less more transferring. Why? Why would you not consider transferring to a school that's going to lose? a million kids to the NBA draft. Why? Because you know you could play. That's the issue. But if those guys have to stay for two years, you're not going to move as much. Right. And plus, they're going to proven programs where programs have uh, shown that they can develop and uh, do, you know, do wonders with their player development for players getting drafted to, in the NBA draft. It makes perfect sense, to be totally honest. Uh, listeners, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for carving out time in your weekend for us. And we would be remiss if Mike and I did not say happy Mother's Day. To all the mothers out there that support your hoop player dreams. Thank you, moms out there. You guys are the best. You make it all happen. We love you, moms. Thank you so much for taking care, doing the laundry, doing our – doing our, our jerseys when we were playing basketball and mom thanks for taking care of my headgear my uh my glass strap i appreciate that when i was getting ready for basketball high school thank you yeah i think the biggest thing the moms do is they make sure those uniforms are clean and, yep. and make sure you had your home uniform for your home game and your away uniform for your uh, away game so thank you moms out there and happy mother's day to everybody i hope everybody enjoys some quality time with the family all right uh and listeners we'll catch up with you next week uh thank you for uh We'll, we'll make sure that we talk a little bit more about what happened at the NBA Combine, a couple more decisions, and then we'll uh, dive a little bit deeper into the self-transfer uh, blueprint. And we have a couple other art, uh, items that we wanted to discuss we didn't get to this podcast. And, um, Mike, anything else for the listeners out there? No, I just no. wonder if Donovan Mitchell is going to like to spend a copy to Panionis Greece when he's out there playing. What, what are their uniform colors? <laughs> I guess green and white. I don't know. I guess so, yeah, right. Gyro? I don't know. Cheese fries are good. Oh my God! Why would you leave Louisville? Is it, you could be in a Final Four. Russ Smith, he took a thousand shots the year he came back. Why would you leave? Late first round picks, death sentence. Thank you, listeners. If you again, if you didn't enjoy this one, uh, we'll try it again next week. We'll try to do the same thing to entertain you. Uh, many thanks and ahoy out there to all of our loyal listeners. Uh, we'll give some shout outs uh, next podcast. Thanks, everybody. See you soon, guys. 
inside. It's a seat of 